us in Arab want to have a great congregation in God's sight. When we have the church at heart, when the church is first in our lives, we want that more than anything else in the world. And so I know you feel just like I do, and I appreciate you being in this Bible class, how much you love the Lord and His church. And I pray that these lessons this week will strengthen all of us, and hopefully we can have an influence on some members of the church that really are not focused at this time. And they're really not working and striving to make this a great congregation. And hopefully these lessons will stir them to rededicate themselves and to do more for the cause of Christ. Now these lessons are going to be very basic, but fundamentals are so important. Fundamentals make all the difference in the world. We're gonna talk about some things that we often take for granted. If I ask you this morning if you were a thankful person, you would probably say yes, and I'm sure you are a thankful person. But I wanna tell you that we're not as thankful as we should be in the church today. If, you like, if you're like we are in Arab, we have far too many members that show that they're not really thankful to God. They really don't appreciate everything God has done for them. And we need to change that. We need to improve that. And I think you're going to see from this simple study during our Bible class hour how important thankfulness is to a successful Christian life. It makes all the difference in the world. And so we're going to discuss thankfulness, the expression of a great congregation. Great congregations are made up of thankful people. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, in everything, notice this, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's God's will that in everything we give thanks. In this one statement, we see the expression of a great congregation. Think about this. Thankful people have positive attitudes. And they turn outward instead of inward. And the purpose of our lives should be to turn outward and do everything we can for other people. This is the reason thankfulness is the expression of a great congregation. And so I want to look at this great theme from three standpoints during our Bible class hour. First, I want to look at some great examples of thankfulness in the Bible. In the second place, I want to look at the ugliness of unthankfulness. And then in the third place, I want to look at the reason for thankfulness. And I want you to think about yourself as an individual. 
And I want you to ask yourself, as we think about these great points, am I really showing by my life that I am truly thankful to God? Is that being seen in my dedication and in my devotion, in my focus on Him and His church? Am I using my life for his cause. That's how we show thankfulness. So let's look first of all at some examples of thankfulness. I want you to turn all the way back with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. What a great passage of scripture this is. We are at the end of David's reign as king over Israel. This is shortly before his death. David was not allowed by God to build a temple in Jerusalem because he had been a man of war and had shed blood. That's verse 3 of 1 Chronicles 28. David, however, made provision for his son Solomon to build the house of God in Jerusalem. And in this story we see some remarkable things about David and, yes, about the children of Israel. We see where their hearts were, how much the house of God meant to them because they were really thankful people. In verse 2, David said, I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. In verse 3, he said, I have set my affection to the house of my God. Now in the New Testament, the house of God is the church. 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. And our affection should be set to the church, right? First and foremost in our lives. Mean more to us than anything else in the world. And so not only did David prepare for the building of the temple out of the things the nation owned, when he said he had set his affection to the house of my God, he then talked about the things that he was personally giving. And then he challenged the people to give as well. In verse 5, at the end of it, he asked, Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? And the leaders of Israel led the people to give and give and give. And verse 9 says, Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. I want to closely draw your attention to verses 10 through 14. And I want you to notice what David said here as he blessed the Lord before the congregation. Look at his thankful heart. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. 
And in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Listen carefully. 13 and 14. Now therefore our God we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. We need to always remember that thanks and giving go hand in hand. Thanks and giving go hand in hand. And then he asked, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. He knew it was all from God, didn't he? He knew that it all belonged to God. He knew that what they had were blessings from God. And the wonderful thing was that they were using what God had given them to his glory. To honor him. To build his house in the city of Jerusalem. So what a great example of David. A man who was truly thankful to God. And he showed how thankful he was by leading the people to make great sacrifices to do great things for God. And that's what we do. When we are truly thankful, we make great sacrifices to do great things for God. We must never do that. We must never forget that. And that must be the purpose of our lives as long as we live. The second great example of being thankful is that of Daniel. Oh, again, what a great man we're talking about. Daniel, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and other young men were taken into Babylonian captivity, and they were made eunuchs there in Babylon, and they were trained in all the ways of the Chaldeans. These men were brilliant. They were very smart. They were wise men. Well, in Daniel chapter 2, we read of Nebuchadnezzar having a dream about a great image. And Nebuchadnezzar was really disturbed about this dream. And so he called in his wise men, those that were closest to him. And he said, I want you to tell me my dream, and I want you to tell me the interpretation of it. He said, if you're not able to do it, then you're going to be cut into pieces. Well, they, what we would say, him hauled around, tried to borrow some time, made excuses until he had had enough. And so he sent out a decree for all the wise men to be cut in pieces, to be killed, to be destroyed. Well, see, this included... Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when Daniel learned of the decree, he basically said to Arioch, whom King Nebuchadnezzar had sent out, I haven't been asked about this dream. No one has asked me to give the interpretation. And so he went to the king 
and told Nebuchadnezzar if he would give him a few days, then he would be able to give him the interpretation of his dream. And so Daniel went to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and said, I want you to pray. I want you to pray to the God of heaven and have him or ask him to reveal the dream to me. And so that's exactly what God did. And I want to pick up in verse 19 of Daniel 2 and notice again how thankful he was. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. Look at these first three words of verse 23. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. And when he went back to Nebuchadnezzar, he didn't take any credit for himself. He said in verse 28, but there is a God in heaven. I love this statement, don't you? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. Look at how thankful Daniel was. And because of his thankful heart, he was a magnificent example of dedication to God even though he was in Babylonian captivity. We all know the story of Daniel 6. One of the most famous in all the Bible, Daniel being cast into the den of lions. The kingdom has changed. Darius is now the king. Darius the Mede. The Chaldean kingdom has fallen. And Daniel is one of three presidents under Darius. And everything Daniel did, he did it right. He was a conscientious man that served Darius faithfully and not only was he one of the three presidents, he was the top president. And what happens when you're at the top? Does anyone ever get jealous of you? (laughs) Well, they did. And they tried to find something about his job that he wasn't doing right before Darius. So they could bring it to Darius and get him removed or at least have him punished. They couldn't find one single thing. And they said the only way we're going to be able to get rid of Daniel is if we can find something Concerning his God. And have him destroyed. And so Darius didn't see it coming. But they came up with a scheme. That they would honor Darius. And they would lift him up with pride. 
And so they went to him and they, they gave him this big speech about how important he was and how they wanted to honor him. And they wanted him to make a decree that no one in the kingdom was to ask anything of any man or God save Darius for a period of 30 days. And if you violated that, you would be cast to the den of lions. Well, Darius, not seeing what was going on, he signed that decree. And the decree of the Medes and Persians, once signed, could not be changed. Well, you know what Daniel did. He prayed to God three times a day. Psalm 55, 17, that's what the Jews did. Morning, noon, and evening. And so we're told in verse 10 of Daniel 6, when Daniel knew that the decree was signed, he went into his chamber and his window opened toward Jerusalem. He prayed. Listen to the whole verse. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber, chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, listen, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He didn't say, Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? I, I'm doing the best I can down here under these difficult circumstances. No. Look at his attitude. And look at his attitude of thanksgiving. He just keeps thanking and praising God like he's been doing every other day. And so he was cast in the den of lions and God shut their mouths, didn't they? But look at the example of another great man of God and how thankful he was. We all know that Jesus is our perfect example in all things. And certainly when it comes to thanksgiving, he's our perfect example. And I want to show you a couple of things that he did that are so simple, that are so fundamental. Centering around the stories of feeding the 5,000 and then feeding the 4,000. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 19, we have these words. And he, that's Jesus, commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven. I love that, don't you? That phrase, looking up to heaven. You know, that's what we all need to, to do every day and to continue to do it. Look up to heaven. And notice what he did when he looked up to heaven. He blessed. He gave thanks. He said a blessing. How many times have we said that at our dinner table? Would you say a blessing? That's beautiful. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. We're following his wonderful example of thanksgiving. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Now go over to Mark 8 and look in the story of the feeding of the 4,000. And we see Jesus doing the exact same thing. Beginning in verse 6. He commanded the people to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks. And break and gave to his disciples to set before them 
and they did set them before the people. Verse 7, and they had a few small fishes, and he blessed, he said a blessing, and commanded to set them also before them. There it is. The Lord and Savior. Thanking his Father for things as simple as our daily bread. How often do we take that for granted? Are we pausing to look up to heaven and say a blessing? So look at these great examples of thankfulness. Think about David. Think about Daniel. Think about Jesus. And of course, there's so many more. And think what they did because of their thankful hearts. See, thankfulness is the expression of a great congregation. When we are truly thankful, we are going to do great things for God. Now, let's look at the ugliness of unthankfulness. In Luke 17, we read of 10 lepers. And oh, what a terrible, incurable disease. Where the flesh of a person's body just rotted away. And here are ten men with leprosy. And they see Jesus and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's Luke 17 and verse 13. We would have cried the same thing, wouldn't we? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He healed them. But you know what happened? There was only one of them, one out of ten, that turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. That's verse 15. And you know what Jesus asked in verse 17 of Luke 17? Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Can you believe that? Do you think there's any people that act like that today? Do you think there are any members of the church that act like that today? Those nine... who were so unthankful simply walked away from God. And that's what unthankfulness causes people to do. Instead of turning to God, they walk away from God. Even though God has blessed them greatly. That's so ugly, isn't it? Look at how ugly unthankfulness is. Let me give you another example of the ugliness of unthankfulness. Turn with me to Romans 1. Here we read of the sins of the Gentiles. And in verses 21 and 22 we have these words. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Now listen to this phrase. Neither were thankful. 
but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. See, unthankfulness made them fools. And unthankfulness does the same thing for people today. If you continue to read this chapter, you are going to read of the most awful, terrible, ugly list of sins you have ever seen. If you get down to verse 30, they are even called haters of God. Think about that. Haters of God. That's the kind of person unthankful people are. That's what unthankfulness does to the hearts of men. And those men become fools. And I'll tell you, when you're a fool in the sight of God, you're in an awful predicament. And that's what unthankfulness does to people. Let's look at another example of the ugliness of th unthankfulness. The wicked of the last days, and the last days is the Christian dispensation. We're living in the Christian dispensation now, and it will last until Christ comes again to judge the world. It will last until the end of time. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first five verses, we see the wicked of the last days. And I want you to notice how they are described and how unthankfulness made them disobedient. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Dangerous times. Terrible times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Listen. Unthankful. Unholy, without natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Again, look at such a wicked attitude. Look at the sins in their lives because they were unthankful. Unthankfulness made them disobedient. Let me give you one more example of the ugliness of unthankfulness. Turn with me to Acts 26. In Acts chapter 26, Paul makes his defense before King Agrippa. At the end of Paul's third missionary journey in Acts chapter 21 Paul was arrested in Jerusalem 
That began a five-year imprisonment of the Apostle Paul. First in Jerusalem, second in Caesarea. He had to be removed from Jerusalem at night down to Caesarea because of a conspiracy to kill him. And then in Rome. In Caesarea, he was before two Roman governors, Felix, Festus, and during the reign of Festus, he appeared before King Agrippa. And nothing was happening for his release. And so as a Roman citizen, in Acts 25 and verse 11, he appealed to Caesar, meaning that he had a right to go to Rome and be tried because of his Roman citizenship. And so that's when the book of Acts ends with Paul, a prisoner at Rome, after the very dangerous voyage where God saved them from the great storm. And so Paul's a prisoner in Caesarea when we're reading in Acts chapter 26. And he preached before Felix and before, excuse me, before Festus and before King Agrippa and his sister Bernice, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Now old Festus, the Roman governor, he was about as depraved away from God as a person could be. So when Paul preached the death and resurrection of Christ, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. You're crazy, Paul. But he said, Paul did, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. And then Paul asked King Agrippa, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And look what Agrippa said in verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto him, Paul, or then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He just wasn't thankful enough. Unthankfulness kept King Agrippa from becoming a Christian. How many other people have failed to become Christians when they knew what to do, when they knew what God had done for them because they were unthankful. See, the ugliness of unthankfulness is so terrible it makes people walk away from God. It makes people fools. It makes people disobedient. It keeps people from becoming Christians. So we don't want any part with the ugliness of unthankfulness, do we? So we've seen some examples of thankfulness. And now we've seen the ugliness of of unthankfulness by looking at some terrible examples of those 
that were not thankful to God and what it did to them. Now I want us to look at the reason for thankfulness. Samuel made a great statement in 1 Samuel 12 and verse 24. For consider how great things he hath done for you. You know, that's what we need to do every day. We need to consider the great things that God is doing for us. We need to take time to count our blessings. We need to take time to see how much God loves us and how much God does for us. We need to consider how great things He hath done for us. And we are so blessed spiritually and physically that we tend to take it for granted. Think about the cross of Christ for just a moment. We have heard about the cross of Christ all of our lives, haven't we? Have we heard about it for so long that we really don't meditate on it anymore and we really don't appreciate the great love and sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. Today, in just a few moments, we will partake of the Lord's Supper, remembering His body and His blood that He gave for us on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Will that change our lives again today? It should. How thankful will we be or will we just go through the motions? See, we need to consider how great things He has done for us and overflow with thanksgiving every day and that be seen in our words and actions as we turn outward and we go about ministering and serving and doing for others because we're so thankful for what God has done for us. Yes, look at the reason for thankfulness. Notice also what David said in Psalm 68, 19. He said, God daily loads us with benefits. God daily loads us with blessings. I like that word, load. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of an old pickup truck going down the road. And it's got a load of gravel on the back of it. And it is loaded so heavy that the back bumper is just almost touching the ground. And if he's not careful before long, you'll have a flat tire. You know, that's the way it is with our lives. We're like that old truck going down the road that's fully loaded. God has fully loaded us every day with so many blessings we cannot count them all. And you know what our greatest blessing is? It's salvation, right? That verse ends with the phrase, 
Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. And how many of us take that for granted? And see, when you are so thankful for your salvation, you want other people to have it, don't you? You want to share it with them. Yes, look at the reason for thankfulness. We see what Samuel said. We see what David said. And we all know what James said. James 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? It's from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Oh, how fortunate we are. And how thankful we should be. When we are thankful, we realize that serving Jesus in his church is the greatest privilege in all the world. I wish I could get every member of the Lord's church to feel that way. That's the way we should feel. That's the way we are when we're really thankful. We know that serving Jesus in His church is the greatest privilege in the world. We love to worship. We love to be together. We love to do His work. This is the reason. Thankfulness is the expression of a great congregation. If you want to be a greater congregation at New Antioch, then be more thankful. And put that thankfulness into practice. We need to see what thankfulness did for the cause of God in Bible times. And we need to see how detrimental unthankfulness was to the cause of God in Bible times and nothing has changed the same is true today this lesson is so very important this is one of the most important lessons we'll ever study because people of God are thankful people and they don't just say it, they show it. And so I challenge you to become a greater congregation by having a more thankful heart. May God bless you.